2: And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, if I was generous without limit, and I even sacrificed my body, I became a martyr for the cause of Christ, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing.
1: It sounds as if our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, from Church of the Highlands, is taking us through a study on love. He's in 1 Corinthians, after all, the 13th chapter, but no, he's talking about how we deal with one another when we differ, and he's talking specifically about doctrines, especially those that tend to separate us, divide us. With this Wednesday study, here's Pastor Leighton.
2: If you are failing to love others... Whatever you're doing is gaining nothing. Because love is what it's about. Love is so important. Godly love is so important. Which then brings the question, well, what is godly love? Keep reading. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I wish we had time to get into that in more more depth, because there's a whole sermon right there. But love is so fundamental to God's plan that it is going to go throughout this age and in the age to come and throughout eternity. Now, having described godly love, Paul returns to contrasting it with spiritual gifts. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love, love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Now, I want to point out that phrase, when the time of perfection comes, because it's the interpretation of this phrase that has caused division amongst Christians. And so I'm, going to, I'm going to come back to it, but I want to point it out uh, to you while we're while we're reading it through. Uh, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought, and reasoned as a child. When I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror but then then we will see everything with perfect clarity all that i know now is partial and incomplete but then what then is he talking about the then that's referenced in verse 10 the time of perfection but then i will know everything completely just as god knows me completely Now, after talking about the importance of love, Paul returns to talking about spiritual gifts in chapter 14. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God. And since people won't be able to understand, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others and encourages them and comforts them. Verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. What is he saying? That speaking in tongues has some value, but there's even greater value in prophesying because it accomplishes the goal of strengthening the entire church. Remember the theme that recurs all the way through these three chapters? Strengthening the church, strengthening the church, ministering to others, and so forth. He then goes on to say, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. Then uh, he goes on to summarize some of the differences between prophecy and and, uh, languages. And uh, he says in verse 12, since you are eager to have these special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. That again reinforces the theme, right? Build up the church. Verse 13, so anyone who speaks in tongues and continues that, And verse 17 says you'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. There's the theme again. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, which is why many people have concluded that the Apostle Paul was Pentecostal. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Keep reading. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. That verse 19 is one of the reasons why at Highlands we don't have people speaking in tongues when we gather together in a meeting. We'd rather speak five words that are intelligible that people can take home and, and, and improve their, their knowledge of Scripture, their knowledge of God, their relationship with God than 10,000 words in an unknown language. And uh, it's it's because of this. You know, now if you go through the church and you you go into some small groups, some prayer groups, and things, you'll hear people speaking in tongues. Some people speak in tongues, and uh, so we don't quite fit in. A, uh, Pastor John uh, is a friend of mine, and he was one of the pastors of the, one of the local Pentecostal churches, and he told me this story uh pastor john said i got a call from a lady and she was saying can you tell me who all the pentecostal churches are in the area so pastor john started going through a list of and then he got he said and then there's church of the highlands but it's not quite you know because we believe in in the person the work of the holy spirit we believe in spiritual gifts including the gift of tongues but we don't have that gift in our uh in our gathering together here so we don't quite fit in a, a particular category well, it then continues on, and then you look at uh, verse uh, 26, and it says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell uh, some special revelation that God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. You see the theme again. Last thing he says about the subject, the idea is that everything that's done should be a source of strength. To you. When we come together, one of the things that when we come together, when you walk out of here, is you should, be, you should be strengthened in your faith, in your knowledge of the Word of God, its application, and so forth. That's the goal. Everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Now, I want to invite you to go back to chapter 13, and uh, the passage actually begins at verse 8. And there are some Christians who believe that spiritual gifts have already ceased. And they're called cessationists. They believe that spiritual gifts have ceased. Those that believe that spiritual gifts continue until the return of Christ are called continuationists, and that's what we are here at Church of the Highlands. We believe that the spiritual gifts continue until the the return of Christ. Um, The cessationists believe that the gifts were given as a sign to prove that the apostles uh, had been given the authority of Christ to continue the church, but then when the apostles died, there was no more need for the sign. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to the church so the church can accomplish what Christ has called us to accomplish, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, and that hasn't been accomplished yet. And uh, so there's, there's that. Now, where did the cessationists get this idea that, that uh, spiritual gifts had ceased? It has to do with their interpretation of the phrase, when the perfect comes. When the perfect comes in verse 10. You see, that phrase... Has been interpreted to mean many things. It's it's been interpreted to say when the church is mature, when sp- scripture is complete, uh, when Gentiles start coming into the church, uh, or when the apostles are dead. My dad had an extensive library. He said I can go to my library and I can I can find fourteen different interpretations of this particular portion of chapter ten. So, what what is the most likely? accurate interpretation of this phrase and how do you support that notion well when you look at verse 12 it says for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face remember i told you about then connecting back when are we going to see face to face answer when jesus christ returns When Jesus Christ returns, we're going to see face-to-face. Not only that, everything's going to become clear. We're not going to be like looking in a mirror trying to figure things out. Everything is going to become clear. We're going to know Him like He knows us. Does He know us perfectly? Yes. Do we know Him perfectly? No. When He comes, then we're going to, aha. And so these events can only happen when the Lord returns. And so we believe that when the Lord returns, then these imperfect gifts like... Uh, Prophecy and tongues are going to pass away. We also find another support to our interpretation from earlier in 1 Corinthians, the same book, in chapter 1, verse 7. Because it's in chapter 1, verse 7, that Paul says, "...you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ." The revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ is the second coming, and he connects spiritual gifts with the second coming of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 1, 1.7. Now, if a cessationist was to see something that resembled a spiritual gift, and they were convinced that those spiritual gifts had ceased, what do you think they're going to conclude from what they see? That whatever it is must be a counterfeit. Because the real stuff has ceased, therefore, if it looks like a spiritual gift, it must be a counterfeit. And there's a danger to that, because then you might be ascribing something that's being done by the Holy Spirit to the other spirit, or another spirit. And there's a danger in that. But I'll tell you, folks, it gets more complicated, because there's a lot of stuff today, weird stuff, that is being ascribed to the work of the Holy Spirit. And spiritual gifts, and so forth. And you look at Scripture, and you find no basis to make that connection and so there's some things that are associated with the work of the spirit pentecostalism charismatic whatever it might be that we have a real problem with endorsing as a church because we don't find any support of those notions from scripture so we're very careful about that but uh, we believe that what we believe is accurate to scripture but this is a secondary doctrine that many good Christians have differed on over the centuries. And so in humility, we recognize we might be wrong. And because there's a possibility of that, we don't want to allow our position on this to become a point of division or dissension among us or between us as a church family and other Christ-centered Bible-teaching churches in our community that might vary a little bit on this particular doctrine.
1: You think about that. Boy, there's great wisdom in those words, that teaching from Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and this is a broadcast entitled Study Verse by Verse, and he's been talking about the doctrines of the church, initially the foundational doctrines, and now he's into those secondary doctrines, those things that often divide us. That happens, but how do we handle it when it does? If you'd like to know more about this ministry, you can find us on the web at studyversebyverse.com. And uh, for more details about Church of the Highlands, they're located in San Bruno. Uh, They're on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We'll be back tomorrow with the Thursday edition of our broadcast at this same time as Pastor Leighton Sheely once more opens the Word of God and helps us study verse by verse